Lord, I truly am grateful for all that you have done. Look beyond my many faults. recognized and saw to my needs and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to have the worship team back with us this morning. Amen. Thank y'all for, yeah, for, for joining in with Michael this morning and being back. We thank God for that. Not that Michael wasn't doing an awesome job by himself, but I know he appreciates the help. Amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're glad. We're glad that uh, you are back with us. We're back with us this morning. Let me let me say a word of prayer just just for me. I need prayer. I'm gonna say a prayer, word of prayer for me, John. Is that all right? All right. Lord, I thank you. I have so many things to be thankful for. So many things that are too numerous to name and too numerous to count. And so I just want to say, I love you, Lord, and I appreciate all that you have done for me in my life. You have been a refuge. You have been a place where the storm ceases and I'm protected from it. You have been that one who can look out over it and say, peace be still, and the winds and the waves obey you. And so all I can do is the same thing that the disciples did when you performed that miracle in their presence. They responded by saying, what manner of a man is this? Who can do these things and the winds and the waves obey? We know you to be that kind of God. So Lord, now my personal prayer is that it be all of you and none of me that you increase as I decrease, that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, you are my strength and you are my redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Again, welcome to all of you that are here with us in person. Uh, there seems to be... Um, a spirit of praise in the house this morning. Everybody's clapping and dancing and man, y'all don't make me. That's all right. I love to see that excitement in the air. Amen. That's awesome. Uh, I'm glad to see that. Uh, those of you that are joining us online, we pray, as I said this morning, that you would engage with us and that you would uh, let us know that you're watching, share it with others so that they can join in with us this morning. Uh, but say something to us, and we'll, we'll be sure to say something back to you. Again, welcome. Uh, we have found our way to the end of the book of Ruth. 
We've been on this journey for a few weeks with a couple of intermissions in, in between as I took a couple of Sundays off. But we have now made our way to the end of this beautiful, wonderful story. Many people along the way uh, have told me that's my favorite story in the Bible. Love the story, the book of Ruth. And so I'm so glad that the Lord has blessed us to be able to walk through it. We've been in this series that I entitled The Best is Yet to Come. And uh, today we've made it to the end, and so we'll see some things uh, transpire as we've made it to the end. What I want to do first of all is I want to read uh, this chapter to you. So bear with me. Uh, pray that, my, my, that I don't run out of breath because I'm going to try to read it and, and, and read it uh, so that I can still have time to preach it when I finish reading it. <laughs> so pray with me as I read chapter four. Then we'll come back in a minute. And we'll talk about it. Ruth chapter 4. I'm going to read all of Ruth chapter 4 verses 1 through 22. And here is what it says. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of those of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not tell me that I may know for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in the former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kalion and Milan. Also, Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Milan, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in effort. And, and, and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz, and, so Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and went into her. And the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. And then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord. 
who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Amenadab. Amenadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. Ooh, I just get excited reading that last part of that. That should just do something to you. If it don't do anything to you now, just give it a minute. Give me a chance to get there and it'll do something to you, I promise you. That's an awesome story, isn't it, to hear how this, how this thing ends. So I've been throughout. I've been, uh, uh, in addition to the overall theme I've given, the best is yet to come, I've been giving each section, each chapter a subtitle today. The subtitle will be this, Hope is Fulfilled. Hope is Fulfilled. Hope Fulfilled. I want to read a few verses to you that relate to the dawning of a new day. Can I do that? Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Psalm 118.24 says this. This is, y'all know this one, this is the day. That the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Isaiah 9, 2 says this, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Isaiah 60 and 1 says this, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Luke chapter 1, verses 78 through 79 says this, Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The dawning of a new day is an awesome thing. There is something very special about the dawn. The sun seems to climb over the horizon with open arms when the dawn comes, inviting us to share in the wonderful opportunities of a new day. Every dawn puts things of yesterday in the past and allows us to begin everything afresh and anew. Each day is the perpetual promise of new beginnings. That's what it symbolizes and signifies. It is a new opportunity to turn the disappointments of our lives in a new direction. 
It's the dawning of a new day. When, when we can all identify with the failures of life, I know I can. You ought to say amen because honestly, you, you can too. Bad decisions, broken relationships, unfortunate circumstances, but God. Amen, somebody. Gives us a continual opportunity to start life fresh every day and put the past in our past. He is the God of new beginnings, the God of new life, the God of forgiveness. He is the God who covers our yesterdays with his grace. Anybody here needs your yesterday's covered with the grace of God? Amen, somebody. And he is the God who graciously covers our tomorrows with every new dawn. He gives us every sunrise beckons us to new opportunities. Every, every sunrise, every dawn beckons us to new opportunities. For Naomi and Ruth, a new day has come. It's a new opportunity. The, 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 the sun has risen. Uh, bright opportunities now exist. They both have gone from destitute and desperate in chapters 1 through 3 to delivered and redeemed in chapter 4. It's been a journey. But they've made it. They've made it. They, they, they've made it through all of that uh, that they have gone through. And if you don't recall what they've gone through, let me just give you a brief review of what's transpired that led us to now. You remember in chapter one, they leave Bethlehem, go to Moab because there's a famine in the land. When they get to Moab, Elimelech is both, both his sons who have now married Moabite women. They die, leaving these three women as widows. Naomi gets word that the famine has ceased in Bethlehem. And so they go back to Bethlehem. Orpah, one of the daughter-in-laws, decides to stay after much debate and discussion in Moab while Ruth decides to join her mother-in-law on the journey back to Bethlehem. She says, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. I am committed to being with you. Where you die, I will die. Where you go, I will go. I am never going to leave you. She attaches herself Naomi and then when they enter the city the women in the city notice that it's Naomi and they begin to call her by her given name Naomi which means sweet and she says don't call me Naomi because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me no no longer will my name be Naomi but now call me Mara which means bitter they get to Bethlehem and uh, immediately Ruth, because of the situation, them being widows without any man to take care of them and to provide for them, uh, uh, Ruth immediately seeks out a field uh, to glean in. Text says she happens to end up in the field belonging to Boaz. But we know, as we've said all along, that nothing just happens. God is in control. He is orchestrating this entire story. She meets Boaz. Boaz gives her some grain and she ends up gleaning in the field of Boaz after she, he gives her 50 pounds of grain for some time. 
Then we make our way to chapter three. And in chapter three, I told you last week that something strange happens because it's been six to eight weeks from the end of chapter two to the beginning of chapter three. And as we looked at the story last week, we looked at all of chapter three. And as we did, we recognized that somebody was getting a little bit impatient. And so Naomi decides that uh, because this kinsman redeemer, this near relative has not gone forward with proposing to take Ruth as his wife. She comes up with the plan that I said last week. I argued last week that the plan wasn't a good one. (laughs) I don't think it was a good plan. Here's the plan. She says uh, she says to, to, to Ruth, wash and anoint yourself. Dress up after Boaz is done eating and drinking after the harvest and after winnowing the barley and all of that after he's celebrated and he's eaten and drank and after he's done that watch where he lies down and then when you when you see where he's lying down go and go where he's lying down and sleeping and probably a little bit uh you know feeling good from the drinking and eating and uncover his feet and lay down with him, and then, uh, Ruth, here's what I want you to do. It just doesn't sound like a good plan. Whatever he says, that's what you need to do. (laughs) Doesn't sound like a good plan. I told you last week, last week we talked about when your heart is right, but your wisdom is limited, and I said last week that Naomi's heart was certainly in the right place, but I don't know that she gave the wisest advice. But, Because God is sovereign and he's providential and this was all a part of his that his plan that he was not going to let fail. The plan actually succeeds. You remember when I told you that last week? The plan actually succeeded, didn't it? And so at midnight, we walked through a whole lot of stuff about midnight last week because it was at midnight that Boaz is startled at midnight. The clock struck midnight. How many of you have ever had a midnight? The clock struck midnight and Boaz recognized there's this woman laying at his feet and he wakes up and it's dark and he asks her, who are you? And she says, I'm Ruth. And then she proposes. But she doesn't propose in the traditional way. She proposes by saying, spread your wings over me. And he agrees. That's a marriage proposal. He agrees to do it. He agrees that he's going to marry her. He he agrees to take care of her. He says, rest until morning. And then in the morning, because because he is a true redeemer, he's already passed part A of the redeemer test, part B of the redeemer test. He's concerned about her. He says, lay until morning. And then when you get up, let nobody know that you were here because he's concerned for her safety, for her reputation. He sends her home then not with 50 pounds of barley, but with 90 pounds of barley. And she gets home and Naomi says to her, the woman who was in a hurry in chapter three, verse one, we get to the end of chapter three and verse 18. And Naomi says, don't hurry, Ruth, but wait, wait, because this man has made this promise and he is going to fulfill it today. That's what Ruth, that's what Naomi says to Ruth. Just, just wait, relax, because it's going to happen. Now. That brings us to chapter four. 
And we've arrived then at chapter four. And I like to, as we look at chapter four, I like to look at this chapter in three segments or three movements that I see from Ruth chapter four, which I will call first one happens in verses one through eight. Ruth chapter four, verses one through eight. And I'm going to call this movement deal. No deal. (laughs) Deal, no deal. It happens in Ruth chapter four, verses one through eight. And it, here, here it is. The, we can call, the, 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 what happens in one through eight is this. It, it's an encounter between Boaz and the nameless redeemer. Boaz and the nameless redeemer, ha, redeemer have an encounter. And so, so then in the opening verses of this chapter, we meet the last, and we've met characters all throughout this story. In the opening verses of Ruth chapter four, we get a chance to meet the last new character of the story who Boaz had actually already mentioned in chapter three. He mentions him in chapter three when he says to, to, to Ruth, uh, there is a nearer kinsman than me, but we don't meet him until now. And so we meet him in the opening verses of Ruth chapter four. And in verse one, it talks about, it says this in Ruth chapter four, verse one, it says, now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. What, what, what's the significance of the gate? What, 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 what does that mean? What's happening with this? The gate was a very important place. In the small hamlet of Bethlehem, it was the place where business, civic, and legal matters were settled on a daily basis. While Boaz is sitting at the gate, desiring to make what he was getting ready to do legal. While he's sitting there at the gate, This nameless redeemer just happens to come by. I've already said it all throughout. Nothing just happens. (laughs) The Lord is in control. And he doesn't just happen to pick the same time that Boaz is sitting there to just wander by. No, the Lord is behind the scenes providentially orchestrating all of this. And so this name, remember, remember I keep calling him nameless. Remember that because I'm going to explain it in a minute, the significance of that. This nameless redeemer who goes without a name just happens to come by. So in verse two, Boaz seeks to make things Legal, the things that he's getting ready to do. He seeks to make those things legal. So he invites 10 witnesses to sit, to sit in on this transaction that he knows is getting ready to happen. And then from there, we move on to verses three and four. And in verses three and four, we get the deal of the deal, no deal. First thing we're going to see is the deal. Because in verses three and four, it sounds like a deal. We got a deal. Right. That's what it sounds like, brother Sam. It sounds like it's a pretty good deal and I'm all in on the deal. It's a deal until later. We'll see the no deal in a minute. But right now, let's look at the deal. Three and four. Let me read it again. Verse three. Then he said to the redeemer, Naomi, he's laying out the deal. It's boy, it's going to sound nice. He laying it out. He said, 
Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So, I thought I would tell you, tell you of it, and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it, but if you will not, Tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, hold up, wait a minute, we got a deal. I'm not passing this up. He says, man, that sounds like a deal I can't pass up. Uh, Boaz informed the man that Naomi had returned from Moab and that she would be selling a portion of the field that belonged to their close relative Elimelech. And because he was the closest remaining relative, he had the first right to buy the land. The man immediately then says, this is a deal. He jumps at this opportunity to increase his economic portfolio. He sees it as an opportunity to grow richer. That's what, he, that's what he's thinking. He sees this as that uh, by acquiring this valuable piece of real estate, he can increase his posterity, his possessions, his material objects. So he's all in, Bob. He says, sign me up. Where do I sign? I'm ready. We got witnesses here. Man, let's do this deal right now before you change your mind. I don't know. It's almost like that commercial. Y'all saw the commercial with the guy buying the two waffles in the drive-thru. And he's sitting in the car and he opens a bag and he got two whoppers in there and he finds out they've only charged him $5 for the two whoppers. And he says, man, I'm leaving before y'all change y'all mind. <laughs> That's this guy. He says, he says, Boaz, before you change your mind, I'm ready to do this deal. We got a deal. I just need to know how to do this deal. We got, when, let's do this. It's a deal. But in verses five and six, the deal becomes no deal. Because watch what happens in verse five. In verse five, this is what this is what happens. This is what Boaz says. Boaz says, I got a little extra news I need to share with you. <laughs> I know you're excited about the two whoppers, but there's some other stuff. <laughs> Go along with the whoppers. <laughs> so hold on a minute before you get too excited. Let me tell you what else. Go to this. So Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. And so when Boaz reveals uh, to the nameless man that acquiring the land would also mean that he has to marry Ruth, the Moabitess, acquiring the land is one thing. He changes his mind because acquiring the land is one thing. That increases my bottom line. It increases my bank account. That's one thing. I'm, I'm all in on that. But acquiring a wife? I'm sorry, ladies, but I'm just, I'm just reading the text. I'm not, it's not me. I'm just, I'm just reading. It's in the Bible. I'm not, I'm not making this up. I'm just saying. Acquiring a wife is a little bit different. And on top of that, 
to add to the difficulty of the situation, not only is this just a wife, this is a wife from God's washpot Moab. A hated place, a despised place, a wicked land. And, and you're telling me, Boaz, that this is what I'm signing up for? I think I'll pass on this deal. His selfishness is revealed and he is exposed in verse six. Let's see what he says in verse six. Then the redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Boy, he changes awful quick. He's exposed as a false redeemer. He's exposed as this. He says, I cannot redeem it for myself lest I impair my own inheritance. He is a selfish guy. He's only concerned about himself. This nameless man does not fit the requirements of a true redeemer. He doesn't pass the test. He can't pass what are called before the redeemer test. Boaz had already passed the Redeemer test, both parts A and part B with flying colors. You recall that part A of the Redeemer test was this. You had to be you had to have compassionate character. You had to be able and willing to pay the price of redemption and you had to offer protection and provision to the one that you were redeeming. Boaz passed it with flying colors. This Fake dude is not able to pass it. Not only could he not pass part A, he also could not pass part B because you'll recall that I told you that part B was this. You had to have extraordinary wisdom. You had to have integrity and patience. And you had to be willing to take responsibility with compassion and kindness for others. And so this guy, this nameless guy, fails the test because he is only concerned about himself. He misses his opportunity and he remains nameless to this day because after missing his opportunity, he fades into obscurity, never to be heard from again. All I'm saying is that if you don't want to fade, not that we are redeemers like Boaz, but we do. God is, has called us to be ministers of reconciliation. He has called us to be uh, redeemers in some sense. Boaz was a per perfect picture of Christ in what he did. If we want to be uh, in, in God's favor, then we have to not be like this guy who was only concerned about himself because selfishness will get you what it got him, fading away into obscurity, never being heard from again. I don't know about you, but that's not the lot that I want in life. I'm not seeking to be famous. I'm not like the, I'm not like the people in, in Genesis 11 who sought to make a name for themselves by making a tower that would reach to heaven. That's not me. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not even trying to be like Abram who in Genesis chapter 12, God says, I will make a name for you. I'm not trying to be that. All I'm trying to do is please my God. And if I please my God, I know that he will. Amen. 
He will make my name great. I won't have anything to do with it. I will not fade into obscurity like this nameless man. I don't know about you, but when I leave here, I would like to leave some kind of a positive legacy behind so that my children will remember my name if nobody else does. So that maybe one or two of you will remember my name if nobody else does. And the only way that that happens is selfishness has to be removed from the equation. And so he says, listen, this was a deal, but this now is no deal. So in verses 7 and 8, verses 7 and 8, uh, during this time, here's what's going on in 7 and 8. Uh, during this time, a legally binding transaction like this one was ratified by the custom of a man giving his sandal to another party with whom he was doing business. In front of the witnesses, the man gave Boaz his sandal, which granted Boaz the legal right to redeem both the property and Ruth. So that sealed the deal. It's like having a notary sign off on it. It's like having uh, a judge sign. It, 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 just no turning back from here. He's taken off his sandal and he said, it's done in front of the witnesses. So it's over. He has missed his opportunity. So then we make our way to the second movement in this chapter, and it's found in verses 9 through 13a. In 9 through 13a, we're going to see this. Boaz keeps his promise. Boaz keeps his promise. Unlike the selfish, nameless man, Boaz once again proves to be a genuine picture of Christ as he forsakes self, and follows through with his promise to redeem Ruth and Naomi by purchasing the land and uniting with Ruth in marriage. The elders served as witnesses of the proceedings and pronounced blessings on Boaz and Ruth in 9 through 13. They prayed that God would bless Ruth as he had blessed Rachel and Leah who gave birth to many of the fathers of the tribes of Israel. They prayed those kind of blessings on this household. They also prayed that Boaz's house would become famous, renowned, in Israel, not of his own doing or desire, but simply as a result of how he conducted himself. This prophetic blessing would indeed prove to be true in a mighty way. And we'll see that play out. Let's look at 12 and 13 real quick. 12, 12 and 13 says this. All right, let's, let's begin at 11. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman. This is when, they, when, when it begins with may the Lord, this is the, the blessing that they are pronouncing on this household. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and like Leah who, who, who birthed uh, the, the fathers of the many tribes, many of them of, of, of Israel who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem because of what you're doing. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar 
Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. This is the blessing that they pronounced. And then what happens in 13a is this. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and they gave and he and, and the Lord gave her conception. He keeps his promise. He go. He, he takes her as his wife. Right. And so this blessing is pronounced over them by the people who were witnessing this. That the Lord would increase you, that the Lord would bless you, that you would have impact and influence many days after you're gone because of the children that would come from this union. Little did they know of what that would actually look like. We'll see it in a minute because we're going to look at the whole lineage in a minute. I'm going to need you to pray for me to have breath again in a minute because I'm going to read the whole thing. But little did they know the blessing that they were pronouncing on this household. Little did they know what would actually come of it. You'll see it in a minute. So lastly, let's look at the last movement I see in this chapter. And it's in 13b through 22. And this one I'll call better has come. Remember we said the best is yet to come. And I still think, even though we've arrived at chapter four, the end of this story, and, and, and all these wonderful things have happened, I still think the best is yet in the future, but better has come. And I'm just telling you right now that the best, no matter how better today is than yesterday, the best is still in the future. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that in a minute. Just know this, the better for them has come. Not the best yet, but better. Because we all know what the best is. I'm going to just give you a clue as to where we're going with this, right? So in 13b, the blessing of verse 12 is fulfilled. And with it, Naomi's wildest dreams have come true. 13b again says this, and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. This is... The fulfillment of the hope that was promised in chapter 3 and the fulfillment of the blessing that was pronounced on this household in, in verse 12 of chapter 4. This is Naomi's wildest dreams that she never imagined. Remember the, the heated debate she had with both Ruth and Oprah when she was preparing to go back to Bethlehem. And she says, listen, listen, go stay here. All of my sons are dead and I'm too old to have any other sons. Where, if you go with me, where will you find a husband? You, there, there's no opportunity for you to, to grow, for you to have a husband to protect you. I'm, I'm all out of sons and I'm too old to have any more. She walks into Bethlehem with her head bowed down because she feels like the Lord has forsaken her. And then she's introduced to Boaz and her spirits lift, are lifted, but she hadn't seen it yet. And now we've gotten to chapter four at the end and her hope is not only restored, it's fulfilled because now Ruth has married Boaz. And not only has Ruth married Boaz, but Ruth, who was barren for 10 years while living in 
Moab with her husband Malon now arrives in Bethlehem and after only a few weeks, she pregnant. <laughs> Ain't the Lord all right? <laughs> Somebody else say the Lord is good. <laughs> Isn't that something? She ain't been able to conceive all that time. And all of a sudden, hope is fulfilled. And so, that's what happens. Naomi's wildest dreams are fulfilled. And they arrive, and this happens. Uh, Ruth, who had been barren for 10 years, now conceives. After only this short time. And with this, deep sorrow has turned into radiant joy. Emptiness has given way to fulfillment. Better has come in the form of a baby boy who would be a part of a long lineage leading to not better, but the best. It gives, it gives way to this baby boy who is certainly better. He's not the best, but he's better. It's a new day. A new day has dawned. And in verses 14 through 17, the women of Bethlehem rejoice and praise with and for Naomi that hope has, has been fulfilled for her in the person of this baby even after her misguided sojourn into Moab with her husband Elimelech. They named the boy Obed, which means worshiper. Obed, that's what the ladies in the town, they said, man, this, we got a name for him. So, you know, back in that day, names meant something. I don't know what Ricky means. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> but back then, they put some thought into it. Every, every name meant something. And this, this baby boy, who is the fulfillment of hope, who is the fulfillment of a promise and a dream, they name him Worshipper. And so in verses 18 through 22, uh, it's revealed that one of the primary reasons uh, that we find this story in the Bible is revealed in 18 through 22. It gives us the lineage of King David. It's in 18 through 22. It, 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 by the way, it's, it's one of the primary reasons why we have the book of Ruth. So that we can see this lineage play out where it starts, where it will eventually take us. It's in 18 through 22. David represents better. He's coming. Obed represents better. He's here. He is better. But, but, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with Obed. It doesn't stop with, with David. It doesn't stop with any of that. It continues. If we look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 16, we'll find that better will lead to the best. Here's what it says. Abraham was the, was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amenadab, and Amenadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king and David was the father of Solomon by his wife 
by the wife of Uriah and Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph, and Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, and Joram, the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brother. And at the time of the uh, deportation to Babylon and after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud and Abiud the father of Eliakim and Eliakim the father of Azor and Azor the father of Zadok and Zadok the father of Achim and Achim the father of Eliud and Eliud the father of Eleazar and Eleazar the father of Machthan. Machthan, the father of Jacob. I'm slowing down here for a reason. I need you to get this. Jacob, the father of Joseph, who was the husband of Mary, um, who, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Hope is fulfilled. The best is yet to come. Naomi and Ruth, uh, they didn't realize this then, but they did realize that better had come. And because of that, and because of all they had been through, they had been through some difficult times, but better has come now for them. And I can certainly relate late to their testimony and their experience in this time. Ruth, Naomi, myself, and Reverend Paul Jones share the same testimony. Anybody know the late Reverend Paul Jones? Some of y'all ought to know who that is. And if you don't, you'll recognize this song he's, he sung that is the testimony of Naomi, the testimony of Ruth, the testimony of Ricky, the testimony of some of y'all. Here's what Reverend Paul Jones said. He said this, I've had some good days. Somebody help me. I've had some hills to climb. I've had some weary days. And I've had some sleepless nights. But when I look around and I think things over, all of my good days outweigh my bad days. And I won't complain. That's what Reverend Paul Jones, he said, sometimes the clouds hang low. And I can hardly see the road. And so I ask the question, Lord, Lord, why so much pain? But he knows what's best for me. Although my weary eyes, they can't see. So I'll just say, thank you, Lord. I won't complain. It was the testimony of Naomi, the testimony of Ruth, the testimony of Ricky, the testimony of Reverend Jones, the testimony of some of y'all. I look around and I have to know that I can't complain about anything because God has been good to me. And so I'm going to leave you with these final three thoughts. Here they are. God sees what you're going through. Not only does he see what you're going through, he cares enough to come down. He cares enough 
to come down. Where do I get that from? Exodus chapter 1, chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 says this. This is, the, this is the Lord talking to Moses. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of a land to a good land and a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. He knows, he sees, and he'll come down. Second thing I'm going to leave you with is this. Don't, don't settle for status quo. You need, to, you need to make that promise right now. I'm not settling for status quo. At least two people in the book of Ruth, missed their moment to be a part of something better and settled for status quo, never to be heard from again. First one was Orpah, never heard from her again. She missed her moment. Second one we just met, the nameless redeemer. Never to be heard from again because he settled the status quo. Last thing, then I'm sitting down. When Jesus, with Jesus, the future is always bright. With Jesus, that's why he is the best that is yet to come. We can have better. Today can be better than yesterday. Today can be the dawning of a new day. But the best doesn't happen until we see Jesus. Because when I see Jesus, it'll be amen. When I see the one who died for me, the one who gave his life on Calvary, it'll be amen. When I see the one who said in John, John 14, 1 through 3, uh, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again to receive you unto myself that where I am. There you shall be also for me. That means with Jesus, the future is always brighter. You know why it's so bright? Because if I can be where Jesus is, I don't need anything else. And he said he's already made a way for that to happen. He's already made a way. So because of that, Bob, my future is bright. Because of that, your future is bright. Because of that, your future is bright, Delisa. Because of that, our future is bright. Steph, your future is bright because he has gone ahead of us and he has made a way that where he is, there we can be also. And so the best is yet to come. Let's pray, Lord, we thank you for grace, for mercy, for preparing the way. Thank you for your word. Gives us hope. We know, Lord, that you always keep your promises. Thank you so much. Glory to your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
There may be someone here who doesn't feel like their future is bright. They may be struggling. And the struggle is because you never met him. Right? So we want you to have that opportunity. We want you to have the opportunity to meet this Jesus. He will turn your midnights into day. He'll wipe all your tears away. He'll turn sadness into joy. Weeping into rejoicing. And so if you're here and you're that person, let us know. We'd love to welcome you into the family of God, into the kingdom. So that when that day comes, you can walk through the pearly gates, down the streets of Jasper, make a left turn by the north gate and enter into that mansion and walk down the hallway and see your name on the door. This is what Jesus was talking about in John 14. Well done, a good and faithful servant. If you're here, let us know. We'd love to pray with you. If you're online, let us know. We'd love to pray with you. You can pray that prayer and ask Jesus to come into your heart all by yourself. And we want to rejoice with you and fellowship with you and offer you a place that you can call your church home. Amen. God bless you all. So happy to see you. We have some visitors. And before we leave, I would be remiss if we didn't recognize them. So if you're visiting with us for the first time, would you stand? Let us know who you are. God bless. Amen. 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 Share with us. Share with us your name, if you don't mind. Bob and Sharon. Welcome. 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 Glad you're here with us. Amen. Welcome. Welcome, Dan, Christine, and Corbin, right? Welcome. Welcome. We thank you so much for visiting with us today. We want to extend to you the uh, invitation to come back again if you so please and so desire. If this crazy preacher didn't scare you off, you're welcome. I've been known to scare folks off, but don't worry about it. It's all right. I'm just happy because I know where I'm going. We welcome you to come back again. God bless you. If there's nothing else, Michael, all hearts and minds clear you have anything, we good. Anything I forgot, you know, you had to bag me up sometime. We good. All right. If there's nothing else, then let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. How good you are. Your word that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. Thank you. And now to him who's able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, now and forever. Join in with me in saying, Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. God bless you. Sorry. Oh, okay. We're traveling. Okay. Hey, brother. We'll be back. Okay. We'll be gone a couple of weeks. Enjoy. Yeah, we'll be with our kids. Okay. Enjoy. Hey, you got the new van ready? We have a bed for that. We are going really rough. Okay. Have you sold the other one? No. Not yet. We got a couple of little Okay.